You're listening to Design Tomorrow. Good thinking seems to happen at the most unexpected times. In fact, though it may feel ironic that we often hit upon a great idea when we're not thinking about much of anything, it's actually the case that what's happening there is anything but accidental or random. Distractions and diversions can actually help us think better. When we're focused on something else, especially when it's something that requires focus, but not necessarily analytical thinking, we free our mind up to process information in the background. Most of the time, we hardly realize what's going on. But then, that idea pops into our head. Maybe it's a solution to a problem we've been struggling with for a long time. Maybe it's a sudden connection between things we had always considered unrelated. Or maybe it's just a sudden realization of some deeper truth. Something about us, who we are, or how we need to change. Whatever it is, these kinds of discoveries are so precious because they feel like gifts, like little mind miracles. But maybe they don't have to feel that way. At least not in terms of scarcity. Maybe we can make them happen more often. Today, I want to tell you about a mind miracle moment of my own. One that made me realize that something as mundane as my daily commute can be a fertile ground for discovery, but also that in a world as crowded with technological tools for measuring our progress as ours is, sometimes the best way to see how far we've come is literally in our own hands and on our own faces. I promise that will make perfect sense soon enough. You're listening to Design Tomorrow. I'm Chris Butler. Stay tuned. Design Tomorrow is a podcast about design, technology, and being human, which, admittedly, is a lot to be about. But in all things, we hope to grow in our awareness that what we do and think today can create a better tomorrow. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Design Tomorrow. Just leave all the vowels out. So that's at D-S-G-N-T-M-R-R-W. You can also visit the show's website at designtomorrow.co. And if you want to get in touch directly, you can email me at chris at designtomorrow.co. I'd love to hear from you. And now, let's get back to the show. One day, as I made my way home from work, I turned on NPR this is all things and let it drone while I spaced out staring at the slowly moving sea of bumpers before me. But then something snapped me out of it. A guest on the program that was playing began describing a quick little test that you can take 
that reveals how tuned in you are to the perspective of others. Test? Perspective? I was suddenly all ears. The test couldn't be simpler, and we're going to do it right now, together. It will only take three seconds, and all you'll need is one free hand. So, if you're in your car right now, keep your eyes on the road and one hand on the wheel, okay? Okay, here we go. With your index finger, draw an imaginary capital letter E on your forehead. Go ahead, actually do that. I'm drawing mine right now. E. Okay, great. That's it. We're done. So, why did we just do that? Well, it turns out that the way we draw our capital letter E says a lot about who we are and how we see the world. So, have you drawn your E so that it faces you, so that in your mind's eye, you can read that E as you would on a page? Or have you drawn it backward so that someone else standing before you could read it as if your forehead is the page? Now, you might be thinking, who cares? What difference does it make? Well, for years now, a group of social scientists, Adam Galinsky, Joe McGee, Ina Inacy, and Deborah Grunfield, have been using this and other scenarios to explore how power affects our ability to shift our perspective, or in other words, how it might blind us to the thoughts and feelings of others. It's a fascinating question, and one that seems to yield a consistent answer. Yes, power corrupts, and that corruption can be as subtle as a reduction of empathy or an expanding blind spot within which fall all of those around us. Galinsky and his colleagues conclude, quote, high-power individuals anchor too heavily on their own perspectives and demonstrate a diminished ability to correctly perceive others' perspectives, end quote. So, as far as the ease on our foreheads are concerned, Galinsky and company are saying that drawing a backward E, one that can be read by those facing us, is an indicator of outward focus, of an integrated awareness of how other people see and experience the world. An E drawn the other way, as if our own forehead is a page that we are reading, can be an indication that we have some perspective broadening to do. So which kind of E did you draw? It's okay if your E was drawn for you. That doesn't mean you failed the test or anything like that. Just let it be a reminder right now that integrating outside perspectives isn't something that some people can just do better than others naturally. It's a skill that we can all learn and practice. It's a practical manifestation of our values, of what we think is important of the kind of people we want to be and the kind of world we want to make for ourselves and for others. Now back in the car that day, when I first heard about this test on the radio, I drew a backward E. And when I heard the interpretation later, I was pleased, but mostly I was surprised. See, I know I'm a work in progress. I've got flaws, big ones and small ones. And among them, 
has been a tendency towards dominance, a brute force approach to getting things done rather than the sort of calm, careful, empathetic diplomacy I observe and admire in people wiser than I, the people I want to be like. And so I've been working on it. It's one of the many things I'd put under the heading of my life's work so that one day it won't be about being like them anymore, but just being myself. And this little test was just a small empirical indicator that I may have made some progress. And I'll be honest, it felt really good to recognize that. But I'm not sharing this with you to brag about the progress I've made. I'm sharing this with you so that you will have a way to measure your own progress or to jumpstart something that could help create a new you. Now, we have no shortage of measurement tools, Fitbits, Apple Watches, a million analytics apps. But can any of them tell us what we really need to know? Can technology, which itself moves at a change interval so fast that we can hardly understand anymore where cause stops and effect begins, can it tell us what we truly need to know. Can a form field or a number better track my perspective and empathy than a simple human exercise of imagination? I don't know, but I do have my doubts. No matter what we do, whether we're artists, brokers, servants, or healers, there is only one currency. It's people in and people out. Now, whether or not you see that or care to will determine your wealth. And now you have another way to check your balance. Well, friends, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Design Tomorrow. If you did, find the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give it a rating and a review. Since I launched this podcast, more and more of you have joined in to listen. I can see it in my podcast analytics tools. And the more I look at the numbers and the charts, the more I feel things that I don't want to feel. Urgency. A need for more. Now, growing this audience is important to me, but I want to do that in a way that feels true to who I am and what this show is about. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret. After episode one, I ran a few social media ad campaigns. I'd seen a lot of success with that with a previous podcast I'd created, but I feel like such a hypocrite using platforms like Facebook to grow the audience for this podcast when at the same time, I won't use Facebook personally and tell everyone I know that they should free themselves from its parasitical cling. So I know what I need to do. I need to let this thing grow naturally, to be what it's going to be, to trust that it will earn its listeners by being something that people value and recommend to one another, not by paying to interrupt your feeds with easy promises. That may mean that this show remains unknown to most people, and that's okay. But you know about it. And I hope you'll let others know about it who you think will enjoy it as much as you do. 
The best way to do that is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or to share a link with your friends wherever you feel comfortable doing that. Thank you for supporting Design Tomorrow. You can email me any feedback you have at chris at designtomorrow.co or tweet me at designtomorrow. That's at D-S-G-N-T-M-R-R-W. Thanks for listening and remember, what we do and think today can create a better tomorrow. I'll see you then. Welcome to the super secret after credits link section. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, this is how this works. I'm going to read a bunch of links, and if you want to click them, you can find them in the show notes below. And by the way, I do have a little bit of a cold. You can probably hear that. Just bear with me. Okay, here we go. Number one, no matter who you are, it turns out most of the smartest people you know work for someone else. It's called Joy's Law. Next is a project called Tingbot, and it's things like this that really make me want to get a Raspberry Pi and mess with it. Basically, their idea is to turn ideas into apps with this little cute orange box. They say make cool apps and learn to code with Tingbot. It's a creative app platform for the Raspberry Pi. I just love the commitment to retrograde aesthetics and graphics. It's just, it's so simple and it draws on my imagination. Next is a really sad graph. That I'm looking at right now. It's something called the Web Decay Graph. And it was created by somebody that has been tracking all of the links in their own blog, a blog that they've been keeping since 2003. And they've been looking at 12,373 hyperlinks. And they've noticed that when something leads them back to an old piece that they've written, the links are broken most of the time. So they made a little graph tracking that decay, those broken links over the last 144 months. And basically, they just show that the decay has rapidly increased over time. How do we keep the web from disintegrating? I don't know the answer to that, and it's obviously more than just the Internet Archive. But it's certainly a problem that needs to be solved. Next is a design teardown from the Envision blog. It's called Design Teardown Redesigning a Blog to Meet Business Objectives, which sounds dry, it sounds boring, but I'll tell you what, this is actually a really good piece because their conclusion is an obvious imperative for all of us, that we need to design with real content and try to account for the uniqueness of every post, which is a really difficult thing to do because most of the time we design templates and make posts more similar so that they fit nicely into those templates. So I feel like that gives us a lot of food for thought, regardless of what we're designing, even if it's not a blog. Now, that being said, 
I feel like it is the hard part and it's so hard that they didn't quite succeed, in my opinion, with their own blog. And I can't really resist going the full Andy Rooney on this and saying, why bother with the design teardown when the title might as well be how we made our blog look more like medium. And honestly, that could just be a tweet, short and sweet. So anyway, read the post. We have a lot to learn as designers, and sometimes we learn things and don't apply them to our own work. Next is a piece on Bloomberg Business Week. It says you're ending your emails wrong. They're probably right. It's about how why best is actually the worst way to end an email. Check it out. Best. And finally, this is an old thing that made the rounds on the internet, and maybe you missed it, and if you did, you need to check it out. But this is a video of a man playing a Beatles song on guitar while undergoing brain surgery. Check it out. I defy you to not be inspired and awed by this video. Okay, one more thing. This is a version of everyone's favorite childhood book, Goodnight Moon, except it's called Goodnight Dune. It's for all the sci-fi nerds among us. And with that, I bid you adieu. I will see you next time.